0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Story Podcast. It's WTS two sixty eight, and it's been a minute. But here we, we are. are, back. Here we are. My name is Danny Murray.
1: I'm Graham Marigan. Merrow, how are you? Great. It's 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 the, the the latter part of July. Indeed. We haven't been seen since I think the end of May. Um, in that time, you've got married. I've been in Bosnia. Yeah, Ireland. And uh, we've been loving life enjoying our summer so far. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot going on for us.
0: A lot going on. But uh yeah, look, we're we're at that stage in our life now where like we, we just do what we want. We don't have to do these every week. We're not we're not some sort of performing monkey for you people. No, no, I
1: got I got a text, um I got a couple of texts to see when we were back. So people, thanks for making me feel loved.
0: Yeah. What, yeah one one nice. was
1: cousin Craig, but it doesn't matter.
0: Because every 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 listener is a listener, Graham. It doesn't matter if they're a relative or not.
1: Exactly.
0: That's what my ma says to me when she listens to them. Danny, I don't think my ma actually listens to this. Has so she my, ever
1: listened? My mom doesn't listen either. I actually. don't think.
0: I think. I think she went to a live show when that was a. She did. The
1: Patricks.
0: Yeah, I don't think she's actually listened to. uh Yeah, oh, she's the wonderful Patrick Hotel. Yeah, check them out. Let's go on. If you haven't in a while and you're looking for somewhere nice to stay, Fitzpatrick Patrick Castle. Tell it's them beautiful. we sent you. Sorry, I interrupted you What were you going to say? No,
1: I was going to say um, You got married I was in Bosnia Yeah, And you had a fairly significant operation as well
0: I did, but I'm happy to say The Mickey transplant went well <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Lovely,
1: lovely So now you we, have, you we have now. the flute of an elephant, I'm told
0: uh, No, I was going to go elephant flute But I decided, you know what? That's probably a bit ambitious now You know, carrying around around you?
1: you had the hamster flute as it was, so
0: a, a terrible one It was a terrible flute I yeah. had <laughs> <laughs> We've used upper allocation Of the word flute now So Yeah
1: Flute's <laughs> a great word though
0: um, No I didn't I I I had uh, I had major abdominal surgery As they would say I had uh, Partial gastrectomy And a gastric bypass So yeah
1: And how are you feeling?
0: feeling good man I'm feeling good the wonderful team in St. Vincent's Hospital and the the surgeon Helen Hainahan in there uh, looked after me they were brilliant I can't complain Um, lovely little holiday in Vincent's Den. had a lovely room with a view of a golf course and Wimbledon was on and yeah yeah so but uh, what are we three four weeks post-op
1: now three weeks and three weeks on Monday we were
0: there you go, yeah. So um but yeah, feeling good, recovering well. Uh, a little bit dodgy at times, but that's to be expected, all things considered. Um yeah, what's what's dodgy? Just general things, man. It's weird, like because you your your plumbing inside you has changed, you know, yeah. completely. So Yeah. So it's um knowing what tap is gonna turn on next and that kind of thing can be a bit mischievous. Um and also just trying to generally figure out what your body will tolerate and what it won't tolerate. Um, you know, compared to this time a month ago For example, like, yeah. you know like I, I mean, I got married Two months ago, whatever, just under Two months ago, and I was Living That, that week, I was living it up And then the, the couple of days that we had Down in Kilkenny and that kind of thing as well Afterwards then, I mean, like I was Eating and drinking like a, a lord and a king And all sorts, you know um, And were you doing that because you were conscious of the big up? Uh, no, because at this point I didn't actually know When I was going to be having the up yeah. Um, so I like I knew it was coming because I've been in the process, uh, for
1: tests and stuff.
0: I, yeah, like I mean, I've been doing. I've had more tests than I can fucking shake a stick at. Like, but it's you know, it's a weird one. Like, it's when people hear uh, of a gastric bypass, they 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 assume kind of uh, a cosmetic surgery, or they assume you know someone's gone to Turkey or they've gone to Latvia or whatever the case mm. is. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that either. Let's let's be clear on that. If that's the, the, the thing i i would say and the thing that i've been saying to people kind of like you've know, been asking about disorder in that and they kind of bring that side of things up is that nobody gets a gastric bypass as their first resort to you know losing weight or to getting healthier or that kind of thing more often than not it is a last resort yeah and i think for a lot of people who go down that road particularly those who go abroad they're doing it because they're at a point where it's it's all the, it's the only way they can do things now it's the only mm. way they, they think they'll be able to get the goals that they're looking to get um and that that's fine that's that's not what brought me into hospital there, there's a whole other thing there which we'll talk about another time but i think it's just it's an interesting one that i think people uh, people tend to, to to look at these surgeries as kind of like people looking for an easy route or a fast fix kind of thing and i that's i'm not just saying it because i'm going through a kind of thing but it's it's fucking not like i mean there's mm. There's so many complications and there's so many little things and even, you know, like post-surgery for a lot of people, you know, it's what four weeks before they can actually eat something. Other than that, they're just having liquid and like pureed food. You now, thankfully, I haven't had to go through as stringent a pureed food stage as other people are not going kind to of think, you know, there's stuff called dumping syndrome which is your body just basically saying what you've put in me, I'm not having. And you go into this horrible fucking situation of like diarrhea. You feel like your heart's going to explode out your chest. Do you or, have that? I haven't encountered it yet, thankfully. No, I thought I was well, going to we, get
1: You've avoided it now, surely, have you?
0: No, dumping syndrome can be around. Because like if you get your entire plumbing system changed internally, you know what I mean? Like, you're So basically what they're bypassing a huge amount of your stomach. They're bypassing part of your small intestine. You know what I mean? And so that, that, that law is dormant then, you know what I mean? But the problem then is that you essentially have built, because you've built a bypass, you know what I mean? Think about it in traffic terms. You know what I mean? Beforehand, mm. all the traffic's out in one spot. This bypass is built, and suddenly all the traffic goes around the town, you know? Right. Um, so it creates a more direct route to the exit, so to speak, right. <laughs> which speeds things up astronomically in some cases. Um, And and that can be problematic. Like, I I ha- I did have a little bit of... So, you're trying to figure out what you can and can't tolerate, for example, when you're when you're eating I'm probably not doing a good job of explaining this because I'm jumping oh, yeah, around yeah. a bit, but so I'll give you a perfect example, right? So one of the things I was told I could have was I can have like a little bit of bread as a carbohydrate, right? you're told to prioritize protein, but that I could have, you know, like a half slice of bread or something as as getting the carb into me and something that should be easy on my stomach. I ate bread and I was attached to the loo. I mean, mm-hmm. attached to it like um a slice
1: of bread or
0: something half a slice of Brennan's white something that beforehand i would have milled loved now a bit of Brennan's white toasted with a bit of butter on it you know what i mean but Mm. now that same like that like a half slice of bread not even a full slice and i don't know if it's a, a i've developed a gluten intolerance off the back of it i don't know if it's i don't think it is but i just think it's something that my body at the time was like no no we can't take this um but it 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 fucks you up then because you know you want to get out and about you're recovering you should be up you should be kind of moving and mobile and all that kind of stuff you want to just get on with life you want to go you know see friends you want to go to the shops you want to do it but you can't because you can't trust your arse Mm. you know like and that's (laughs) that sounds ridiculous but like
1: it's it's mad though like i like i haven't seen you physically since your wedding mm. and um we talk every day via audio notes and taking the picture yeah, yeah. or whatever. And um, but I hadn't seen you. And when we logged on today to record this, I was just smiling because I can see, certainly see a difference in your face already. Mm. Your neck. Um, you're mm. you're your one of sixteen chains is gone. The <laughs> light
0: gone. The light are gone. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I'll get down to about 12 or 11
1: chins. <laughs> I'm joking, um, you know what I mean. No, no yeah, no, I get it. But like, look, I, I mean, as well as, um, like, the, the, it's it's mad in terms of the context of the podcast. Because if you mm-hmm. remember, we started a con uh podcast because you were writing vlog, you were writing blogs, yeah, your your, your 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 kind of battle with weight loss and food, your your relationship mm-hmm. with food, and then we started a podcast to 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 vlog that, to kind of record. Yeah, that. yeah. And, I, that's when we started with Lindsay as well. So yeah, now yeah. it's mad seven years later we are where we are. Like
0: <laughs> I'm a slow learner. It took me seven years to figure <laughs> out what I mean. <laughs> I'm
1: not saying this battle no, is no, no. going on for seven years or that. It's no, no, bad. I get it. But I'm it's, just saying it, it's mad that, uh, at the start the podcast was set up for to to, to log your um weight loss journey and yeah, then, was, then when the, guests were saying yes we kind of abandoned uh yeah we learned very quickly
0: that people don't want to hear about us they want to hear about our guests which is why we'll move to our guests very quickly lads yes, but, yes, yes. Yes. but it is like it's and, and i honestly i don't think i would have got to this point without this podcast and without my time with Lindsay as well because i learned things from that and i learned you know so like so and again not to i don't i don't want to go over the top in terms of like you know what uh, was me in terms of what my medical history is and all that kind of stuff but like I was getting a certain degree of success with say training with Lindsay or I'd done things like Slimming World I'd done you know that kind of stuff and I was getting a certain degree of success with it but then and it wasn't that I wasn't sticking to the things then and it would go south or it would go wrong or whatever but there were certain it, it I'd only get a certain element of success with it and mm. then it would like hit this stall and that can happen but the stall then would cause problems for me. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that then, and then, you know, there was like a fucking, I was like, right. I, something something has to something has to be amiss here. You know what I mean? At this point, I feel like I'm, I've done everything I can do. Maybe, just maybe there's something. And if there's not, then, okay, right. I'm just going to have to double efforts and I'm going to have to do something. But anyway, so I went and I got checked and I, you know, and there was something there. There was issues there. And that's what ultimately led me to the point that I'm... But like you said, we started this podcast seven years ago, man. So it was, well, maybe three, maybe three years, four years that it, it took me to go and get that medical help and then from there, you know, change. where you are now. You know, and that's it. And it, it, it takes time. It does, you know what I mean? But as I said, like once you get into the care, I know people bitch and moan about the hospitals in Ireland and all that kind of thing and look like, yeah, wait lists are ridiculous. The fact that it took this many years. But the simple fact I would say is that once you get in and once they know what the issue is that they, they work with you and they work with you as the best they possibly can. And I can't fault the treatment they got from the, the team that look after this kind of thing. And mm. yeah, it's, it's a bit mad that kind of the, the podcast in a way it's like, you know, a bit of a full circle situation now that, you know, cause uh, yeah, I, I see. I don't know. Like, I don't
1: know how much people want to know about this. I don't know how much people don't want to know about this. You know, like I'm but like, you like. As you said, it's 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 quite common now. This operation, this procedure is quite common.
0: So Yeah, yeah it is. You never, and you never I never
1: know uh, who's listening to this, you know. And, and that's you know, it. Like, And, that, and that's I, what podcasts are all about. They're about life stories and, you know, we, we have a steady uh, listenership um, yeah. that would probably um, like to know and, and you might be even pointing somebody in the right direction.
0: Well, what I would say there, look, I mean, yeah, look, we, we'll, we'll probably talk about it more because, I mean, it's, not to be all you might get someone prof-
1: professional to talk about it as well. Yeah, then. and
0: not, not to be all philosophical and all that, but it's a bit of a journey. Do you know what I mean? Like I've yeah. had the surgery, but that's not kind of the, it's the, the end point. You've that's, ever said it, it probably is to be fair. Um, but like the, the surgery is kind of it's almost like the middle point in it in terms of where things are at. You know what I mean? You get the surgery and then it's after the surgery then you've got like a kind of long enough road of what happens after. And that's a whole new lifestyle and all that kind of thing. So look, I mean, just naturally over the next couple of months over with the podcast or whatever, I'm sure this is going to come up and I'm sure there'll be stuff, but it's not. There's no shame or not attached to a surgery like this. Mm. And this is the thing that I'd say to people. And like, you
1: don't feel down about it.
0: Not at all. No, no. And like, as I said, like uh, there, there are lots of different reasons for getting this surgery. And there's some people like the type of surgery I had was a full bypass mm-hmm. or people get like a, a gastric sleeve. It's called. Um there's What's like a mini a mini body. So a sleeve is basically where they, they portion off sort of 90% of your stomach, and with the remainder, they make kind of a banana sort of shape is the only way I can describe it. Sleeve. And it it just it creates a smaller stomach, so you can't take in as much. And it, you know, because I didn't get that procedure, I'm not a hundred percent it it, you know, I don't really yeah. know enough about it. But again, this is what I'm saying. If we can we can do a podcast where we talk about these things or we can get somebody on and all that. But what I would say to anybody who I'd say this to anyone first, right? I think there needs to be a bit of a mind mindset change in Ireland of, of people who have obesity. And I deliberately use the term have obesity because we need to treat it more like a disease than we do anything else. You know what I mean? If, like yes okay like there are contributing factors to obesity and some of them some of it is genetic some of it you know you can't help some of it is related to issues with things like thyroids or with hormones and stuff like that and some of it is just from being a bit lazy and eating too much undeniably but in the same way that somebody who has smoked for 30 years gets cancer you know and yet we do kind of go well if they didn't smoke or whatever you know but we still say cancer and we treat cancer as a disease we don't treat obesity as a disease and i think there needs to be a mindset change in Ireland where we look at it because there's a lot of people who, who have obesity and
1: yeah.
0: these surgeries are going to become more and more and more common as a way of treating it because a surgical intervention is often what is needed to treat a disease which is what this is yeah. so uh, what I'd say then is anyone who maybe is struggling with their weight and has tried all those different things of weight loss and everything else uh, you know talk to your GP about it and ask about like the National Weight Management Service and take a look into these different things and all that I'm not encouraging anybody to get in an airplane and go abroad without doing proper research and talking to it there's there's lots of advice out there there's lots of groups out there and if you go to the right places and you go to the right people and I'd always say start with somebody who's a medical professional first you will get answers and you'll get a little bit of idea and you'll know very quickly whether it's something that you want to go and learn more about and possibly pursue or rather it's not for you you know hmm. But it's, um, yeah, look, I'm I'm glad that ultimately it, I'm where I'm at at the moment because, yeah, it was kind of the only option for me, really, to be
1: fine. Yeah, and okay. you don't feel, you don't feel, like, psychologically, you don't feel downbeat about the situation. You feel... Oh, not at all. Yeah, not at all. giving you in, in kind of an extra lease
0: in life. Yeah, I, like, it's a weird one. It's kind of, um, I wouldn't say that, like, it's made me happier because, like, it hasn't made me happier, but what it has done is it's giving me assurance that you know a medical issue has been resolved if that makes sense and as a result yeah. of that then i've got a little bit of a boost from it and don't go wrong like i'm delighted with the weight loss aspect of this as well that's you know what i mean for a lot of people that's the primary output and you know that that's brilliant it's it's kind of like a, a super happy bonus for me like you know what i mean that yeah. the, the surgery was i said three weeks ago or whatever i'm 20 kilos down just under 20 just over 20 kilos down um, since in then, in three like weeks, in three weeks, do you know what I mean? And it's that's two stone, you know, uh, that's a yeah, stone I, in a bit. It's nearly five stone. I don't know what it is in old money, unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> old
1: money. Yeah.
0: But like,
1: do you know what I mean? I like, think so there's twelve kilos in a stone.
0: Actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's uh twenty bags of sugar,
1: you know. What I mean?
0: <laughs> so, but look, that's. Yeah, you know, as i said like that's uh, it's it's great and all that and hopefully it leads to a healthier thing and hopefully then it gets rid of health issues that were there and that kind of thing but yeah i'm sure look if people have questions they can they can message me they can ask me they can
1: the one we'll do- stone is equal to 6.3 kilograms so three and a bit stone but. fucking hell in three weeks yeah. you're down a stone a week unreal yeah, no, that won't
0: maintain. That's because it's very early days. Like after a while that'll slow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. But uh, we've been waffling for ages. And and, and
1: and is it too private a question? You can edit this out if you want, but Go on. what stone were you at? What was your heaviest? My at my heavy, and it wasn't this
0: pre surgery I'd lost weight a little bit pre surgery but at my heaviest, I was two hundred and twelve kilos. Which oh, is wow. fucking ginormous. That's thirty four stone, maybe, is it? 212.
1: That's thirty three down.
0: There you go. Yeah, my maths wasn't far off.
1: So you're, you're 29, so, 33s down now.
0: Yeah, so I've still got a long, long way to go. Like, don't be wrong. Don't, don't be, be I mean, mad before. seeing you,
1: like, you're going to be, like, just a skinny whippet now. I
0: don't know about that, man. I don't
1: know. You might turn your body into Hulk Hogan or something like that from the 90s.
0: I mean, yeah, if I can get a bit of the vitamin C was
1: on, then <laughs> who <laughs> knows? <laughs> you know, but look, yeah. Well that's I, what, that's what you were up to for Joan anyway. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's
0: my Joan looked after. Jesus Christ, that's a long intro, man. I, I know it's
1: good. It's good, it's good. Um, yeah, look, we we, were... we
0: will we'll do look, we'll do a podcast where we talk about a properly. We get an actual expert on. Will we go to our guest?
1: We will indeed. Who is our guest, Danny?
0: <laughs> Absolutely delighted to welcome back. Brianna Parkinson to the podcast. It's been over a year, and the last time she was on, we said she's a crack merchant, but now she's a fact merchant, would you believe? <laughs> Fact-checking everything that moves. Yeah. Brianna, thanks for coming back and for politely agreeing to talk to us again, even after the last time.
2: <laughs> it's good to be back. I'm delighted that you've asked me again. You've asked me on again after the complete shy talk of last year.
1: <laughs> that's the, what I this mean, podcast
0: is. It's shy talk. Do uh, that, you know, we probably <laughs> should change the name to shy talk. To <laughs> It's just seven, seven years of shy talk and we're still trying to, you know, put the myth out there that no, we're a legitimate podcast that talks about. You know what
2: though? Like I would say the majority of the podcast industry is based on absolute shy talk, but you guys actually get to points and you're entertaining. Like you've heard just like some podcasts and obviously it was like two drunk mates or like... They're on the bag And they're like You know what We're a gas lads We should make a podcast And you're
0: like No you're awful <laughs> yeah. This is it though Every, funny. Everybody has a podcast now Like when we When we started doing this It was kind of like A little bit of a novelty And you'd say like Oh yeah you know, we're doing Podcasts what's, what's that What's a podcast Yeah and we're now, seven years old This last yeah, month And now it's You know As you said Anyone who has a Fucking slightest bit of technology around. I'm doing like, a podcast now. I was like, yep, all right, welcome to the club. We're all <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: I was asked to like, would you have your own pod- podcast? And I, I floated it to my dad, and he's like, you have to call it Every Bastard Has a Podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brilliant. I, oh,
2: dad. Thanks for That's, backing
0: me to. I mean, in fairness, it's a, it's a catchy a name. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, and I mean, the, the fact that Jordan Peterson has a podcast definitely the bastard bit fits.
1: You he know. has a he has a podcast. Yeah, he does. Yeah,
0: doesn't he? If not, I just feel like I see nothing but clips of Jordan Peterson speaking on podcasts. Well, and, I figured... and
2: Andrew Tate at the minute. Yeah. Like, you know, speaking of him and fact checks, right? It's just
0: yes really
2: yes yes of Andrew Tate is actually a case study. Like like no, he doesn't have a TikTok account, right? And hmm. somehow he's just infiltrated all our feeds. And it's all like Andrew Tate fans, I think they're. Uh, potentially just bought bot accounts that just flood him. And he's always like on a podcast, but you never find what this show actually is. And it's like Andrew Tate, Rex Feminist. Um, it's a real astroturf, which is like, you know, a fake grassroots campaign mm-hmm. to push him across as this sort of internet guru who's going to teach you how to get money and get bitches. Um, there's still some really disturbing human trafficking was a human trafficking arrest, um, in Romania. Um, it's just, there's some big, big questions around this man and his legitimacy and how much money he pretends to have, or he might projects to have, sorry, is a better word. Um, yeah, I think that's, it's a really interesting one given that people are really, I think particularly young men are looking up to him as like, oh my God, you know, he has this amazing lifestyle. He has all the women and all the money, and this is how I need to achieve it. There's kind of, yeah, question
1: marks around that family and their finances. I'm delighted I don't know who Andrew Tate is. Good. Yeah, I've I've only, see,
0: I I don't do TikTok because I feel like I'm too old. And if I do TikTok, I've, you know, I'm trying to be younger than I am. But then all I do is watch Instagram reels, which are basically taken from TikTok. But in my head, I'm not on TikTok, so I'm not trying to be cool. I'm just, you know what I mean? But uh, because of that, I've seen this Tate fella.
2: I love TikTok. I think, you know, it's for me, I'm like, you know, Instagram is like about looking good. And then TikTok is just like pure unhinged people telling like funny stories about their trauma. There's really good mental health content on there if you get on the right side of things. And it's so, again, it's actually scary how much it's able to access, I think, a microphone because you'll be having a verbal conversation with someone and then you will see videos almost pop up like an hour later um, about that topic. Um, So it's it's big questions around how how much data it's harvesting, but it is so tailored that you do get really good content matched to you. But on the flip side, it, it creates this thing called filter bubbles, which we knew Google was doing. I mean, I studied filter bubbles at uni in 2009. So this has been going on for more than 10 years, right? And there was this great example of like, during the Arab Spring, if you're really into politics and you, you Googled Egypt, you would get stuff around the Arab Spring and Tahrir Square and what was happening politically. If you weren't and you Googled Egypt, you'd get like, this is the best place to go snorkeling and to visit the pyramids. So we knew that that Google was already kind of creating little bubbles for us, depending on what we were interested in. And if you stay in that little bubble, you don't necessarily get things that challenge your worldview. And it all just seems like everything's confirming that what you know is what you know, and this is right, and no one's disagreeing with you, and it just tunnels you further down into the hole. And there's kind of been arguments around people getting into more conspiracies because of the internet, and it's like, well, no, conspiracy sort of theories or alternate beliefs have always been there, like, you know, David Icke, lizard people, the moon landing, all those kinds of things have already been there, but I think the internet can funnel you down like maybe a deeper darker hole and it also means you connect with other people because a lot of times people who you know believe misleading things they're quite lonely and they don't fit in and then they find a community that thinks like them or you know they make friends on the internet and then all of a sudden they've got a a community based around a shared interest so it can be more of a social thing you know
0: that's it's mad you're saying that because God, sorry, Meryl. I was just gonna say it's mad. I, then, oh man, I'm and this will show we're rusty because we haven't done one of these in a few weeks. <laughs> but a couple of months ago, we spoke to uh, the guy that done the Finding Q podcast about Q and on, and that's he was saying that exact thing that when he went to America and he was talking to these people, more often than not, it wasn't necessarily that they like believed deeply in Q or they, you know, had a like this overwhelming urge to follow every bit of nonsense that came out of Q, but it was more so. Well, uh, you know, I was, it was the pandemic and I was bored at home. I was all by myself and I just got talking to people and, well, here I am protesting outside the Capitol building on the 6th of January or whatever it was. You know, like it was just, it was like they found somebody that they attached to. And then because of that, they just went with the flow as opposed to actually stopping and saying, hang on, this is a, you know, this is a bit batshit crazy, isn't it, lads? Can we, like, can we not just go for a point or something? This is a bit mad. Like, it's just... Rabbit holes,
1: that's, Bob, that's the problem. We couldn't go for a point. <laughs> well, a fair point, Well, made. yeah. Uh, but yeah, rabbit holes. But, 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 but how, how, how did like I, I, I understand that that fits that the profile of a, a conspiracy theorist prior to the pandemic, but well, the profile expanded throughout the pandemic. Like, what, what I saw on my social media timelines, particularly, was gym owners. And nutritionists and yoga experts and all, all these self-help people that were, that would have an influence on, on normal Joe Soaps because, you know, they're helping them with their, their food lifestyle and their, their exercise and stuff like that. Where the hell did that come from? Is that because it was basically loss of income and they were taking it out on somebody?
2: Yeah, I mean, that could be one side of the story. There's a few things at play, and, and there's been, um, I could go on all day about there's an intersection between the wellness industry. Um, people have talked about the wellness industry and also internal racism as well, and and kind of a, there's a white pride element to some parts of the wellness industry. But the part that you're talking about there is, I noticed that a lot in Australia. So we there is a big, there, there always has been, really, a resistance towards vaccines. So you will see in certain parts of my home state, the Northern Rivers around Byron. Um, I don't know if you've seen Byron Bay's on, on Netflix.
1: I watched it, yeah, only because I love Byron Bay.
2: So I thought it was a parody, and I was like, oh, my God, it's really funny. It's not. It's a reality. But people um, <laughs> like that do exist. And I forgot how much Australians are like this, in a way. And it's sort of this thing of, like, it, it, like you know, I, I said this is a very blistering hot take, but it's sort of almost that Margaret Thatcher neoliberalism of, like, you are responsible for your destiny. Okay, it's up to you to go out, forget the external forces, right? If you want to be healthy, don't eat plastics. If you want to um, not get cancer, don't use microwaves. If you don't want your children to have autism, don't get vaccines. And it's very easy to judge these people off the bat and be frustrated by them and and, you know think like you know you're idiots, but you have to understand that a lot of these beliefs come from fear. And we saw that during the pandemic about COVID not being real. you know, we didn't know what COVID was. It was very scary. People likened it to the, the AIDS crisis, you know, in the eighties, nineties, where people were just getting sick and no one knew what was happening. So people freaked out. It's, it's this big unknown thing. Anyone could be struck down. It's it's really scary. So sometimes people find it easier to believe that that thing didn't exist or that thing only affected in the HIV or oh, only affects uh, the queer community. I'm safe. So for people, when it comes to COVID, it was like COVID isn't real or with the wellness industry of I'm not going to get vaccines, I'm just going to eat really well and I'll be safe, I'll be protected. And when you look at sort of like 5G people or plastics give you cancer people, it's if I do this thing, I won't get cancer. And we know that cancer is a really cruel disease. You could not smoke, live healthily your whole life and still get a really aggressive form of terminal cancer in your old age and that's terrifying knowing that you have no control over that and that could just happen to anyone and anyone that you love so I think those people in the wellness industry they want they're trying to like exert control again by saying if I stay away from these things then I will be safe my children will be safe and things are going to be okay I think it's a a way of trying to yeah put some control over an uncontrollable situation
1: that's it yeah put some control or uncontrollable situation that it's, I think it's you're right though I think that people
2: were like I want to open my gym or I, I saw hair salons particularly
1: yeah
2: um it was like a lip filler clinic uh obviously revenue might have been an issue in there as well and you know pushing up your social media following you know I, I do notice some people particularly maybe US kind of I would say like alternative, I don't like using the word conspiracy theorist, but alternative kind of flat RFE kind of people uh maybe pushing these health beliefs because they want to grow their platform and you see them jumping from thing to thing to thing like one week they're a a nutrition expert and the next minute they're talking about flat earth the next minute they're talking about ivermectin so you can see there that might just be a bit of audience uh audience building but i do think in the health and fitness industry there could be an overlap between that and dodgy science beliefs
1: definitely definitely um and i saw like George trail all this the last two years as well, like, you know, you'd see people who were quite vocal on social media, but not about alternative um opinions about things. It was just, you know, they, they, they would use their social media every day, whether to put a picture up of their dinner, whether to put a picture up of good scenery. Uh, and then they went down this route of anti-vax and, and stuff like that. And the pandemic took a lot of these people and some of them might have just disappeared under a rock since we have gone back to relative normality uh, although covid is still there um but i've seen one or two now that have jumped onto the ukraine war the the invasion of ukraine and particularly recently i saw um somebody now i saw them they were like they're good people because i know them um and which is also a bit of a shame when you see and you're kind of like why are you putting this like and they're attracting so much attention from so much interaction, so much like so much shares. But questioning why hotels are still taking bookings on booking.com during an invasion. And if these hotels are still available, why are we getting refugees? And then, you know, it jumps then to the refugee question. Then it jumps to oh, how's Ireland? How's our own before them? You know, and it's it's a it's a it's an everlasting Shoy (laughs) hole. You're 100% on that. And we're actually working. It's funny you mentioned
2: that claim that I I know that post you're talking about where it was like, I can book this hotel at Odessa for 30 nights. And why is this hotel not housing people? I actually just sent off a fact check then <laughs> for editing about this. And the area that that hotel is located in, like a hotel, was destroyed 15 minutes up the road during the the, the, um, the start of the invasion and there's still landmines washing up on the beach. The the Ukraine government and the Russian government are, are putting landmines into the Black Sea um, to deter the other side from coming near them. So that, that's why the beaches are closed. So it's not the safest place. People are still... Uh, looking for a combination in Ireland but you can see how that grew and I kind of had a heads up being Australian um, because I've seen the refugee uh, question play out in Australia like everyone we have a, a, a I didn't realize this until I moved and it's like yeah you guys are mad racist like you offshore all your refugees um, you don't treat people with kindness and dignity and I was like oh I have to actually think about this because it was just such a normal part of you know you were told that people who were coming by boat were trying to skip the queue and all this kind of stuff growing up of course you know it's, that's not the opinion of all Australians are so lots of people who advocate for for that system to be closed but uh, but we had a constant sort of steady stream at one point of, of people trying to access Australia by boat with people coming flying in overstaying visas that kind of thing um, and it was always the communities where you saw that kind of right wing I don't know right-wing but that kind of fear of we don't have enough for ourselves and now people are going to come in and they're going to take that away are very the very meager resources that we already have um things like you know good manual labor jobs that pay well and um, housing uh even things like water like sydney's running out of water and it's like why are we taking more people it's it's getting harder for people who to live here it's getting more expensive we've had a housing crisis for for Got more than 10 years, the average house price is about 800,000 euros now in Sydney. Um, and we're talking like houses like an hour and a half out of the city centre. Like I could never afford to live where my parents live anymore and that's not a nice suburb. That's it, I've just given up. So you understand that when you get a scarcity of resources, people are like, well, why are you inviting more people into, I now have to share this resource. And you find it's the people, you know, and I always used to get quite annoyed with my colleagues investigating this, like, oh, it's Bogans, which is like, I don't know what the what the word <laughs> equivalent is. Generally, working class white people, um, they're just racist. I'm like, no, these communities have actually seen, you know, well-paying jobs decline. They can't live near their parents anymore. They're getting pushed further and further to the fringes. Their kids can't get into schools. The hospitals are overcrowded. They're seeing, they're affected by not having enough resources. I live with it on a daily basis. So they have this, this inbuilt fear that I'm going to have to now share again. And, and divide again, while rich people who get, you know, a lot of money from migration and people coming into the country, they're fine living in their nice houses and sending their kids to private schools. So I had an idea that this might happen. You know, we have a housing crisis, people are homeless. Um, you know, I as a very middle-class professional now can't buy a house. So I can just imagine the struggles that everyone else is in and people living, you know, three, three generations in a house, they can't move out of their mum's house and they have their kids living in there. And then they're seeing Ukrainian refugees coming to the country and being offered houses when they've been on the waiting list for 10 years. You can understand where that annoyance comes from, and it's real. And I don't think that we should demonise those people and write them off straight away as like, all oh, conspiracy theorists, racists. There's obviously an underlying need there that can be exploited by right-wing groups if they want to go down that nationalist path. But I remember being on radio when this first started happening, and I was like, I'm afraid that Ireland might turn in the same way that Australians might turn. And we're seeing that now with the government turning around and going, maybe actually we need to put some controls in to, to, to stem the tide, um, which is really interesting because at the beginning of the conflict, it's like, no, we're Irish. Everyone's going to come here. That's part of our national identity. But now it's sort of been like, oh, actually, can we can we house these people? Can we look after these people? Can we look after our own? so, yeah, I kind of was waiting for this moment.
0: It's, it's mad though, because like, and I think, Hall martin kind of indirectly referenced it from japan um, when he was asked about that and it's kind of it's this knock-on effect and this idea of the uk's approach to asylum seekers and this whole thing of yeah, yeah, yeah you're going on a plane to rwanda and how that's kind of influencing people not seeking refuge in the uk anymore but sort of saying where else can i go and Ireland is the next door neighbour, Aberdeen and it's kind of picking up some of the brunt of that. Now, look, I don't know how many or what the, you know, how true or how reflective of reality that is or whatever, but it's, it certainly seems like a very convenient line in terms of like, well, which would you rather, Rwanda or Ireland? And with the greatest respect to Rwanda, people who are fleeing somewhere, Poxy, are probably going to say Ireland. So it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about the whole thing of like, um, I want a better term, kind of putting a lid on this now we're trying to put a lid on this now it's kind of like you've you've had this open policy and now you're trying to roll back on it and it's a hard thing to do like
2: yeah and you've got like a, a sort of two sort of systems you've got ukrainians coming in on a different visa a process mm-hmm. and then you have you know people coming in from from other countries who are having to go to direct provision instead so you've already kind of created a, a two tier system and then we've seen you know um asylum seeker groups complaining that that's creating racism and and they feel very visibly that ukrainian refugees are being treated differently to them and it's it's yeah it's really interesting to watch ireland grapple with this because traditionally people have left ireland you know it's, it's mm. exported people um hasn't been a source of a lot of migration i know it's sort of eastern european and, and brazilian migration um that's always that's that's been there for for a while but that kind of mass migration of this is the country we're going to go to to make money because Ireland didn't have a lot of jobs for a long time um yeah it's interesting to see them now reverse their position identity from you know we're a a nation of immigrants to oh we need to accommodate people here
0: and it's crazy as well because there's a lot of like people who are in their early 20s if, if social media is to be believed and that's a massive caveat to put on that but there's a lot of people in their 20s who are kind of talking about how they have to get out of here there's nothing for them anymore that you know so you've got this weird kind of two-way travel here like
2: i get probably maybe three dms a week from irish people being like oh i want to move to australia should i move to sydney um what are the pros and cons is it actually as good as it say you know it is and it's really difficult to to answer because you know, you don't want someone to move there and hate it. Uh, but like my family didn't have a choice. Like we talk about um, uh, economic migrants, which is a term yeah. that really pisses me off because it's like, oh, they just left because they wanted more money. My family were economic refugees. Get this right. Like they moved from Ireland, you know, in the 70s because there were no jobs. My, my grandparents and my mom are inner city Dubs. They do not have education. There was no work in factories. There was no good paying jobs. They they were denied access to university. They didn't have anyone who worked in their family who could get them a job in the civil service. That was it. It was England or Australia. And off you went. And they went for 10 years and then didn't see their family for 10 years. They lost parents over there. They just didn't get to come back. Um, And like my granny landed up in the middle of of Sydney in in the heat. It was a heat wave. It was the middle of summer. And like my dad just went my granddad went off to factories and she had no one. She knew no one. She had no one to help raise four kids. She didn't know what a spider was. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's, it's not a choice. And you know, it's it's Irish immigrants to Australia still face that that difficulty, you know, getting started. And it's just sad that immigration's always been a safety valve for when things go wrong.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's the system as well that's failing if if you have um if you have a, a couple, an unmarried couple with three kids, and they've been on the housing list for ten years, and they're and they're sharing with their in laws, um, they have they get up at seven in the morning, go over to the one of the in laws till they all go to work, then they leave to go to the other in laws for the evening, and they've been as I said they've been on the housing list for years, and then, then they see this, they're they're, I agree with you, they're not, they're not they don't come from a racist kind of uh, psyche, but that's what the right wing then that's the, in my opinion, that's the likes of gripped and stuff who, who always entice that kind of, they, they're, they're always adding, adding stuff to those articles and mm. then they share. And then this, then you're kind of, then you're seeing online and you've seen that example of that family and they're sharing an article and you're kind of going, no, don't share that. I understand your predicament and I, I I empathize with you, but that's where the government is failing because we should be in a system where our own citizens are catered for as well as helping people out, you know? But what they're seeing is, and what they're being told is that these thousands of people coming from a war-torn country are just have to get in a three-bedroom house in town or whatever, just just for an example. So I, I can understand the frustration there, um, and I think it's a failure of the system.
2: Yeah. I mean, like no comment on the groups remark because we've worked on them before and, and, um, you know, we've, we've talked with them. We fact checked their stuff before and, and they've been in discussions with us. Same as um, uh, what's the other one. The Rangers stopped working. The... the liberal. Yes. Uh, you know, we've, we've asked them to correct things. And in fairness, when we've applied fact checks the last time they did correct the article, and um, so, you know, it's, it's again, it's very difficult because no system is perfect, right? Like no one looks after everyone and is able to take in um, refugees. Like you look at some of the the Scandi countries, they're very strict on who comes into the country um, and they would be providing some of the best systems for their citizens as a really kind of sense of like, no, this is us. But we see that as ungenerous. So it's kind of whatever country determines whatever it's... Um, priorities are in a way. Um, but yeah, it's It's heartbreaking. I, I look at Ireland and uh, I just think given the education here, and I think everyone's more sensible. Like if you look at Australian media, there is a clear right wing, a clear left wing. And then there's like in the middle, there's independent publishers, the ABC I think is fantastic, um, does a great job. Uh, but there's a lot of culture war stuff and there's, yeah. there's issues that get picked up all the time. Immigration, refugees, uh, trans health anything that can be sort of used to go well you're either a snowflake bleeding heart lefty or you're a cold-hearted right-wing you know boomer kind of person and then that's it you pick your camp and, and there's no sort of middle ground and I feel like in Ireland the, I don't know I think was, we have too much cop on for that like if you see a headline you're like ah here do you know what I mean like there's there's none of that kind of Alarmist headline. Do, you think, do
1: you think we're getting like that though? Because do you think do you think the like do you think we're just living in an echo chamber where we just see the odd where and, and we're our, an our echo graph, chamber. Echo chamber and the demograph that in we're an echo chamber.
0: We're all going around with Eamon Ryan plant stuff on our. <laughs> echo chamber. I saw what you were doing. <laughs> exactly.
1: I just don't like know. giving them
0: golf. do not be defending them. I like giving them golf.
1: But we're basing we're basing our opinions sometimes on the demograph that we see on our Twitter timelines. Oh, so I mean, yeah. I, I, I would hope that we don't because I I lived in Australia uh, a couple of years ago and I did see that kind of culture war play out and you'd see it on, on the news at six o'clock. Like you'd see, a, you know, uh, Indian students being uh, hit with aerosol and loiters after university in Sydney. And, you know, you wouldn't I'm not saying it doesn't happen in Ireland because we know it does. Um, But do, 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 you, do you think that would play out in Ireland?
2: It's, you know, it's, I've been here four years and I can't say I've seen an increase in that kind of stuff. So occasionally you see like right wing, not even right wing, you just see sort of maybe radio hosts or, you know, people on the sort of panel shows say quite a, I guess, you know, maybe a, a stirring opinion that gets people going. But even then it's like, it's, it's still very, it's still what I consider like very tame compared yeah. to, what I grew up with, like there was an actual radio host who got charged with inciting a race riot
1: when I yeah. was a kid,
2: you know. So I think Ireland, thankfully,
1: is, is we don't not, have that. We don't have Joe Duffy doing that just yet.
2: No, and I know that people give you know there's there's been issues around the the recent episode on on trans yeah. health. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but I, I think Ireland is a little bit more sensible. But I also don't understand. Uh, Seem to be uh, definitely in a more educated nation. People tend to, like, I didn't, I don't know any Australian friend of mine who has a master's. (laughs) We tend to go off to work. um, Not even that many of us, people that I would know, would even have gone to uni. And that doesn't mean anything like education is, you know, it doesn't just because you can afford to get an education doesn't make you smarter than anyone else. But I feel like, you know, Ireland just seems to to have a lot going for it, but the, in terms of governing health and housing and those basic things, I'm like, you lads, you lads should be doing better than us. Like what's, what's this about? Like, I can't get my head around that, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah. It's like, is this kind of where that the whole thing of the information war comes into it as well though, because like that, as you were saying, there's, uh, let's say there's uh some uh media outlets and i'm using that term loosely i suppose but they they almost look to capitalize on these kind of things like you were saying kind of marrow it's that that point around somebody who maybe and possibly legitimately genuinely feels a little bit hard done boy when they look at a situation and they're like fucking hell like that they're you know pulling their hair out stressing over the fact that they, they're doing everything they can they're doing everything the right way as they've they see it to to you know, get a gaff or whatever. And then something like this happens, which is a, you know, it's, it's not in anybody's control. It's not like anybody asked for this to happen. But then those news agencies or those commentators come along and they see a frustration maybe and they just start to pick at that a little bit. And that pulls people into this kind of weird web of disinformation that seems very, very real and can seem, you read it at first and you go, oh, fuck. But then, you know, Beneath the surface as a whole current of madness like
1: well it's like the, it's like the conspiracy theorists throughout the pandemic because Danny, you, you I can't remember the correct kind of terminology you said it but you said it perfect in regards to you know when we were teenagers in our 20s and stuff like that we would find ourselves reading an article article on Wikipedia then you'd be on another link then you'd be on another link and mm. before you know it, you've read about 10 or 12 alternative inform like alternative fact stuff, and you're kind of you're laughing at it. But these people throughout the last course the course of the last few years were taking it as oh well, what if that's true? Like the great reset, what if that's true? Hmm. Cashless society, what's the what if, what if that's true? Uh, AIB you know, haven't helped that, have they? No, but like that that's what I mean. AIB then do that with their seventy uh, uh branches. Who needs cash,
0: Graham? Who's using cash in this day and age?
1: I agree. I don't use cash, but I'm just oh, yeah. saying
0: I'd, not not that I can get takeaways anymore But like I literally only would have A couple of quid on me Just to tip a delivery driver Kind of thing I can't remember the last time I actually handed cash over In a shop Yeah
1: Well just the takes off For euro for your delivery So you're
0: And you still, do, you still don't tip?
1: If I have change I'll tip
0: We'll have a chat about that Graham
1: <laughs> <laughs> No but my point is You know People People Years ago Like in, in, in Ergen- no, I know
0: Ergen- what you mean the Conspiracy theories used to be Something that you'd 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 have a chat about, uh, and you'd be kind of almost laughing about it, being like, "Did you see that one about 9-11, The fucking the, and the passport well, you, you, landed on the ground." And
1: you, would en- you would enjoy reading them. You would enjoy. It was a form of Watching yeah. documentaries, yeah. you would enjoy at mm. the end of it. Going, "Geez, that was gas!" And not thinking about it again. These people now have have formulated their personalities based on these ridiculous out there mm. questions about flat earth and about the moon landing and about uh climate change do you know i mean wh- what more do you need to know about climate change in the last fucking 10 days like <laughs> did you see the daily mail t- t- uh, article mm-hmm. or the front page of the daily mail sorry for bringing up that rag but <laughs> <laughs> at the front page it's it basically said carry on and, and and enjoy ourselves one day about the sun and then the second day it was britain is burning
0: I, I didn't see it, now, but...
1: Uh, Richard Chambers put it up on his Twitter page. I could, uh, and I, the Daily Express as well. It was, it was one, one article on the front page basically saying, you know, uh, just get over it. It's a nice bit of weather. We have it in Spain type attitude. And then the next day, the front page was Britain is burning and bushfires and houses going on fire because it's too warm. You know, that's the, those types of publications are, start, are not helping this culture war.
2: I mean, I think it's all publication. You know, you have your your news meeting at two p.m. Uh, well, in places that I worked, and you go, what's gonna what's gonna be the front? What's gonna sell the most pages? What's gonna be our splash? And that's yeah. it. Uh, some newspapers do take a line on stuff, and I don't necessarily think that's always helpful because then it's like this is how I feel about this issue, and we're going to shoehorn all our stories into that. So I kind of actually respect the oh no, things of I know the guest day was fun, but now things have caught fire, so now we're going <laughs> to have that story. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost kind of respect the the you know coming up and seeing what's happened that day line to to be a bit more honest or authentic than than you know trying to shoehorn everything into 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 one line but yeah it's, it's really interesting i remember seeing a post and it was like this will be your coldest summer and i was like oh good yeah this because summer was really cold and i was like oh no this is a this is a post about <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have That's a very cool. good summer in ireland but i was like oh i thought it was like you know we had this thing in australia we were there in or el, el nino and this depends on yeah, the yeah el Nino, yeah yeah iPod, right So it switches like, you know, we've had 10 years of drought at one stage and then this thing switches over and then we get loads of rain. So we're kind of like, what's next summer going to be like? And normally we know by now what our our bushfire season, our summer is going to be like. So it's going to be rainy for us again. Uh, So we're kind of used to these weather extremes, you know, without... Thinking, you know, it's 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 climate change. We talked about this uh, in the bushfires a couple of years ago. They were very bad. Was it climate change? Was it actually policies against climate change that meant people couldn't chop down trees and yeah. there's loads of fuel then for bushfires? So there's it's yeah, it's constantly argued climate change is, is one of those things, and you know it gets kicked around, and people are the victims in the end of the day. You know, um, and let's come up with good policies.
0: When you're when you're looking at these things for for fact checking. Like, and uh, wait, I'm gonna shift gear a little bit here, but, and if if you don't mind me doing so, because you you wrote an article in the Irish Times earlier this year about you being neurodivergent and ADHD and how sorry, just
1: can... to cut across it, but those articles in the Irish Times were my life everywhere They were week.
0: brilliant. Exactly. They were absolutely brilliant. I, was,
1: oh, I text, I texted wow. a lot of the time <laughs> after them, and saying these are just brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, Car, Danny no no you're all right I,
0: I really enjoyed them i uh i completely agree with you i think the, one of them that i just laughed at over and over again was your trip to the beach uh which was gold yeah. but um in 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 the one where where you talked about adhd and and neurod- neurodiversity and you referenced the fact that you know yeah there's all these things but then one of the advantages is this this fact checking stuff so like yeah. When when something comes across your desk for, you know, a fact check article or, or whatever, you know, you're into journal towers or whatever it is, and this stuff comes across, like, what what is your first part of call with it? Like, what, what where, where does your head go to go, all right, I'm getting stuck into this now?
2: Yeah, um, I'm glad you really enjoyed the Irish Times articles. Uh, The only reason I had to stop them was because I got, I I took the job at the journal. They were Mm -hmm. very kind and said, you know, we can, you can finish off. I only had like a six month contract um, with the Times. And then the Times said, can you stay on? We like you. Um, but the journal were like, no, we're we're now paying you full time. We gave you till, till January, which is very kind of them. So that was the only reason I've left uh, writing columns is, was to concentrate full time on on fact check work. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a blessing and a curse sometimes because uh I think I can go too deep maybe on one thing and then I'm mm. like down the rabbit hole, but there's like maybe three or four fact checks that'll come up in the meantime that might have been better, but now I'm too deep into this one thing. So I've just been looking the past week around Airbnb regulations so we're bringing in tighter rules in Ireland uh, basically around Airbnb because there's a belief and the research does back this up that, when an Airbnb comes into the market, it pushes up rent and it decreases housing stock because people are taking them off long-term housing because you can get more money. You can charge like 200 quid a night. Why would you be charging a 1,000 a month, you know? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I went down that rabbit hole. And then what happens is because I think I am neurodivergent uh, and I've worked in a, a job called Media Watch where I would investigate journalists. And you had to be so correct all the time because when you're the person calling out people, you can't let anything slip. And also they're going to come back and attack you. So you're always riding this piece, trying to be like, What's their argument going to be against what I've just said? And did I have everything in the line? And have I, have, have I read every single study that I possibly could have? Is there anything in the peer-reviewed stuff that says a study, you know, maybe had a too much of a small size or maybe the data was skewed? So I can do that for like three or four days. And it's exhausting because you're always coming from a place of anxiety of have I missed something? Did I get this right? Because I'm a fact checker, so the penalty for me getting things wrong and journalists get things wrong where we're humans. And, mm. you know, the industry we're doing more with less than any other journalists in history has ever had. Newsrooms have shrunk down. Um, sub editors have gone, you know, shrunk as well. So you're often editing your own work to a higher standard. Um, so I find that I really enjoy this type of work, really doing either investigative stuff or fact-checking stuff where I can kind of just go off and, and go down that hole. Um, it depends. I do also enjoy breaking news as well. But what I don't enjoy necessarily is having to pump out four stories a day having to change uh, between hop between different stories. That that for me, I find it really stressful. Um, but I still find this work stressful, even though it kind of activates my hyper-focused super, superpower, because then I put a lot of pressure on myself to get things right. And I think also I've been reading a lot about, uh, I got diagnosed later in life and mm-hmm. a lot of people who grow up With some form of neurodivergence, either autism or OCD or anything on the scale ADHD, there's a lot of trauma there because you've spent your life masking and you knew that maybe there's something wrong with you, but you internalize it as I'm lazy. I make silly mistakes. I make spelling mistakes. I'm not attentive to the small things. I've got the big things right, but, you know, I've, I've spelled something wrong or I've got someone's name wrong and I find it really difficult to concentrate on those nitty-gritty things. So you just always have this anxiety that you're, you've, you're going to fuck up again. So you're almost working overtime and trying to prove to yourself and to other people, like, oh, they're going to know that I was really slow with that article because I read 18 studies and maybe one of them will do. So you always have that kind of chatter going on in the background, but sometimes it is useful in a, a fact-checking or investigative context because you're this thing called red teaming, uh, we don't do it so much at the journal because we don't really have the staffing capabilities and there's, there's other reasons around that. But at the ABC, you would get a colleague to go through your script for a story that you're working on and they would try and pick it apart and try and look for mistakes and try and attack it.
0: There's a great scene in the TV show, the newsroom, that yeah, example great Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's a really common practice. It's 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 what newsrooms should be doing on investigative pieces, and I'm sure they do. We do it in the journal. I have an editor to check over, but I don't have a whole team. Um, but I am really good at doing it to myself. But it's self-critical. Right. And it's very hard to switch that off after <laughs> work. And then you go to the pub with your friends and then you're lying in bed later being like, why did I do that? Say that weird thing. Do that <laughs> Why did I laugh that way? Do you know, so, <laughs> it's good in a professional context sometimes. And then some days I'm burnt out, you know, I after the, the Ukraine war, I was really burnt out because you're just taking on streams of information all the time. And, yeah. you know, fact checkers, we, we were looking at pictures of dead bodies trying to decide whether they were real or whether they were actors, stuff like that, you know. Welcome, so... Man. Yeah, it can be... Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse, I would say. But it does help me do this kind of work. It suits my brain.
0: The 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 Ukraine stuff, uh, like... Uh, look, I mean, we couldn't even begin to scratch the surface in terms of how much is out there. And as I said, you've been looking at it now since February uh, when Russia invaded and that kind of thing. But, like... And that kind of thing. That's very flippant when you're talking about, like a fucking, you know, superpower invading a neighbour. That kind of thing. Fucking hell. Uh, but it's when you're talking about that and you're saying like you're trying to cipher rather no this one's legit or no this is absolute nonsense and here's proof that it was used six years ago in this other thing that happened and all this kind of stuff like and particularly for you but with the the you know the whole neurodiversity thing it's is it a case of being able to switch it off or is it a case where it's just it's almost always on until you say no okay no i need to put this away now i can't like i can't
2: yeah i mean that's one of the things that most people don't understand about adhd um is that it's not that people with it can't focus it's that it's unregulated focus so either Mm -hmm. the switch is on the switch is off there's no like Oh, I will like I have to do this thing. I'll just get it done quickly so I can move on with my life. It's there's there's none of that. It's either like a fuck yes or a fuck no. really difficult to do like menial tasks. Like for me, you know, we, we track this information um with Edmo, which is a group of us at DCU University of Sheffield, and we have like a shared document where we track accounts and we see who's got different accounts and and you know what we should be monitoring for and i find feeling in that spreadsheet really tedious <laughs> so i have to make myself do it um but yeah it is difficult to turn the laptop off and there's always this fear that oh i've missed something so i had to offload telegram off my phone last night because i was just spending hours on it after work and uh, it's not great for your mental health to be in those spaces
1: you have that. to join certain groups for that, Bri- Brianna.
2: Yeah, I would be a member. I have, you know, accounts across Facebook and Telegram and, and other platforms that I would, yeah, join groups in, and just sort of not in like a way to kind of like expose, you know, this person posted this. It's more to get a feel of what's out there. Mm. You know, is this, this got shared, but who's interacting with it and did it migrate to another platform? And now we have to look at debunking it. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a healthy monitoring tool.
0: You also posted about your hatred of LinkedIn, which I fully support and embrace. It is an absolute cesspit. I can't stop. What this. is that? LinkedIn.
1: Oh, yeah. No.
2: If I, I I said that I'd, I'd rather drink a, a cup. If I'd, I'd happily drink a cup of my cold sick, if I never had
1: to. <laughs> it's
2: just when you go on there and you see people like, oh, I've got a new job. Or, you know, today I had an excellent call with the manager. And then, you know, I gave a fiver to a homeless person, and it's like, is that what I should be doing?
1: Yeah, is that it's,
2: what we all need to do now to get hired, like. I, this but even now. the comments, I mean, even
1: the comments under someone leaving a company, I do be always. I'm I'm very. I'm on LinkedIn maybe once a year, um, out of a notification or something that I might get. But I'm always forced. I always have my Twitter head on me, because so I take the piss out of Twitter. Don't take it serious at all. Like, and I'm like, oh no, I can't say that's LinkedIn. I'll, Get them in trouble.
0: <laughs> there, yeah, there's a lot of posts on LinkedIn that I think, you know, people would be a lot better just closing their bedroom door with a box of tissues. Do you want that kind of self-gratification? <laughs> it's outrageous, the stuff they'll post. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah the, that one, I love that. Like, I was 10 minutes late for a job interview and I didn't get it. And here's why. On the way, I met a homeless kitten and that kitten looked distressed. So I decided... Is I, that on I, LinkedIn, is it? Yeah, man. People posting their fucking nonsense about saving a kitten from a tree on a way to a job interview so he didn't get the job but then some animal lover discovered it so sort they of gave them a multi-million contract and now they're living in fucking hawaii drinking nothing but champagne it's mad shit on linkedin man
2: it's just like people post i usually i was using it to try and find an expert today and i was like oh like are trying to find their their work history mm. so I can bring them up and go hey is this thing legit or not um, LinkedIn's great for that, uh, but it was just looking at people's posts and their other journalists. and it's like, "Oh, I published this article and I entered this award." And I was like, "Should I be celebrating this small <laughs> like, win?"
1: Yeah, yeah, small yeah. win. I,
2: I could win the Nobel Peace Prize, and I just would be like, "Oh God, I can't post that because yeah. people think I'm a dickhead." Like, I maybe it's just me, and <laughs> my self-esteem issues.
1: No, I get it. I get but it. But I'm like, is this what
2: we all have to do now to get to get. A but job? we got
1: we got an email about six months ago looking to go uh, put our name forward. For the podcast Irish Awards or something like that, so we clicked. We clicked like we opened up to have a to have a nose. They were looking for a fee off us for, for like two hundred euro oh, for, us, for yeah. us to be nominating.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, and then you probably have to fork out to sit at a table and eat a dinner and listen to you know Ivan Yates MC an event that you don't want to be at. Um, yeah, exactly. Or whatever. Or even stay on these days. Much love to Ivan Yates. Uh, he's he's uh, helping Fiona fall, is isn't he? Is that what he's doing now? Is he no,
2: here, I don't know. I just hope he's having a nice break. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I just so.
2: hope it. Yeah, you know, I kind of love that. He's like, yeah, I, I'm done now. The court case is finished, and I'm pissing off. Two years later, I'm yeah. gonna go and
1: live my life. I'm like, again,
0: yeah. you gotta respect that. You gotta respect that. You know, he's an advisor for Fianna Faldo, I thought. Is he? That's smart considering he's a Fianna Gael I minister mean, back in the day. Was
1: yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah,
0: that look. I mean, they're all the one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Twitter is at it as well. I, as I don't know if it's because again, like you were saying to start, Brianna, that whole thing of like, you know, the, the algorithms—they just they they put stuff in front of you that it thinks you want to see. And I don't know why my Twitter feed is now, you know, in 1997, this man created a system which blah blah blah. Here's the top 10 tips for free on how you can achieve. And I'm like, no, no, no this is. not I come on Twitter to see funny animal videos and arguable sport.
1: Okay, can we? You know what I mean? I don't if it's, need... not, if it's not a funny thread. I don't want to read the thread. It, 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 it
0: don't be, don't be sending threads on Twitter. Need to go away. Yeah, they need to go away. It
2: depends. I quite like doing a fact check thread and walking through, like the top five things I might have seen this week. And the top, the we see, thread. but that's
0: that's a useful thread though. That's okay. you know what it's I mean. Not when a twenty-five
1: tweet thread.
0: Yeah, it's not a thread of kind of here's 10 ways you can up your personal marketing and increase your personal brand by doing these top 10. Uh, tips. The
2: word personal brand frightens me, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I am probably someone who should not study for this because I, you know, I went from being like a journalist and like my personal brand is just all over the shop. Like I remember being an investigative journalist at the ABC and I had to go to my boss and be like, I've won this thing called the the Sydney Rose, and I've got to go to Ireland for a month. Can I have a month off, please? And uh, he was like, "Yeah," he's like, "But this is this could really hurt your career because people won't take you, you know." And he was right to a degree. He was like, "You know, you're a woman. People will not take you seriously as a journalist when you're wearing a big sash and, and a crown on your head." And I was like. Pfft yeah that's a bit outdated but he was right because you know I did job interviews and people brought it up and it's been you know tweeted at me in a derogatory way
1: oh, it was like
2: I was a journalist for four years at you know really good jobs um
1: in, what, in which context was it brought up in an interview like a, a bimbo taking, taking in a pageant it was kind
2: of semi-passive aggressive it was you know they're going through my uh, Careerless, and I think I think a lot of people in Ireland just think I did the Rose Truly and then just rocked up working for in, for television here, and then mm. became a journalist. Always
1: forget like about yours Sydney Rose
2: stuff, but yeah, I do too. I are like, you're, you're, like oh, yeah, that was me. It just it's so long ago, and again, I'm neurodiverse, so like whatever happened yesterday, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Like it's out of my head. Like that's it. <laughs> uh so yeah I was in a job interview and, and someone said oh like so what was the roads truly about then and I was like uh what do you mean like <laughs> like I was, I was still a journalist I, I were a qualified journalist you know I did print I did every medium you can think of um but it was sort of seen as like oh why do you do that that thing then and I didn't really understand that reputation about the roads because I grew up in Sydney and I just thought great so someone's giving me a free mm-hmm. holiday get to take me nanny back to Ireland, happy days you know I didn't sort of think beyond that but then I started working in television and it was like well what's your personal brand I'm like I'm a journalist like I don't have a personal. I have a job I don't have a personal brand and that was very naive going into it I think I needed to kind of you know I had people be like oh you should dye your hair blonde and blah 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 and all this stuff and you know I think you do have to play the game a certain bit and Irish yeah. media, I think in all media to get ahead and I did not play it very well so.
1: <laughs> It's it's like that though in 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 my job as well. Like if you want to progress and you have your your half yearly meeting or whatever, yeah. it's, like, it's always like, a, how's your personal brand going? Sorry, what? 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 Yeah. You need you need to expose yourself a bit more on LinkedIn and 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 Outlook and stuff. And no, go away. I'm okay. Yeah.
0: The second any employer starts telling you that you need to start doing stuff for social media, you're like, I'm if I'm not in a marketing role where I need that stuff, leave me the fuck alone
1: yeah yeah like we we in my job we give out these kind of uh they're called what are they i can't remember what they're called but they're kind of recognition awards um and not to downplay them but i mean if if you do well once or twice in, in a week or two week period you will get one and some of the some of the some of the people now are resorting to putting that award on their linkedin as a oh look i'm so happy i received x y and z like
2: yeah uh, it's crazy seems- so weird like I resisted entering journalism awards for years and it was really stupid I was like I actually should have entered that but I was so afraid of like yeah I mean people like thinking who, who, yeah. who is so maybe there's a happy middle ground of like you know going for stuff without being a no about it, tell
0: me when you figure that one out because yeah,
1: something like I didn't um, think you had to apply for these things though. I thought it was just whoever runs the awards ceremony recognizing people. I think
0: I think there are some awards that do that. I think there's others that they, you know, their their whole shtick is to get people to nominate. So then they get people into the award ceremony, which is where they make their money. And just for a shindig? like but pretty right. much, yeah. But I mean like as a multi winning podcaster or a multi award winning <laughs> T V personality. I I don't know, and I, I'd never dream of promoting these kind of things. But uh, <laughs> my mantelpiece is laden with awards for what it's worth. <laughs> put put that on my LinkedIn.
1: <laughs> oh, you're such a prick, so, uh, <laughs> Brownie! You're you're at you're at the journal now. What seven months?
2: Yeah, I started November twenty left Virgin started. Oh, so nine months. Yeah,
1: yeah. And 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 you're enjoying it.
2: Yeah, it's a really, it's a lovely bunch of people to work for. They're, it's it's a really kind place. Um, people really mind each other, um, which is which is nice. Sometimes newsrooms aren't always like that to a degree. I, I worked in um, some more traditional maybe like, I want to use the word blokey, but that's kind of maybe not the right word because it's gendered, but it was like a, you know, it was a lot of banter. It was mm. com- competitive, not in a malicious way, like people wouldn't purposely you know, fuck each other over to get ahead, but it was like a, yeah, like you had to, it was about, you know, bringing the best story that you could and fighting for that front page spot or fighting for the, for the, to lead the news or to lead the show. So yeah, it was, it was much more sort of combative environment maybe. Um, But yeah, the journal is is a really, it's a good place to work. There's good journalists there doing they're not afraid to i guess experiment with new mediums they've got great podcasts um they're kind of yeah moving in directions of being able to tell different stories to do a lot of great international coverage and a lot of great eu parliament coverage mm-hmm. um which maybe other outlets don't have the space and time for so yeah they're they're a pleasure to work for i'm i'm pretty happy
1: so it's a lot yeah, different than getting up 6 am to do a piece the camera with cows
2: I like 4 a.m., you know. Oh, it,
1: it depends. 6 a.m. is a lion.
2: Yeah, so that did, actually, I was really shocked um, because I just worked mornings for three years that when you leave that, I a lot of sort of things that I had wrong with my body and, and health issues I had just went away
1: wow. and
2: you don't realize how much shift work and i had a friend leave at the same time she went over to news talk to produce a radio show and she was the same she was like wow i actually don't realize how much of a toll that takes on your body and and shift workers will tell you the same thing it's you know you you come home you can't really sleep in the day and then you're yeah. just walking like a zombie and then i'm getting calls at 3 p.m to go and do the next thing tomorrow so you end up kind of working like almost a split shift and it's yeah it's, you never get to switch off really but it's hard to go to sleep knowing you're going to wake up, you know, really early in the morning. So you're always freaking out, you know, over sleep. So I used to wake up on the hour, every hour, check my phone, go back to sleep. It's, yeah, it was difficult.
1: That, yeah. Lovely. That, that is. Better quality of life out of you now.
2: Yeah. Like I enjoy sleeping in the same bed as my partner, you know, uh, because it wasn't fair to wake him up all the time. So we started sleeping in separate beds. And that's I just find that really miserable. Yeah. So it's nice to to sort of, yeah, get a little bit of my life back.
0: Yeah, easy now. He doesn't snore, so I've been kicked out of bed for snoring plenty of times. And my wife will be like, "I'm delighted that I got the bed to myself last night." So
2: yeah, you, you don't know. mind the odd like holiday, like I do, like <laughs> you know, you spread out and it's like, oh man, the bed's actually cool. Like this is great. <laughs> but yeah, every day that was tough.
0: Yeah, I know, I'd say so, I'd say so But look, great to hear that, uh, you know, it's it's going well for you The journal does sound like uh, a good place to be And in fairness, the work they produce is always Not just from their breaking, but like the noteworthy stuff Obviously the fact-checking mm-hmm. stuff as well And the 42 is, as well, as always good sport-wise So yeah, congrats Absolutely. on that one And um, wish all the best with whatever comes next with it Because there's going to be a shitload of stuff that needs fact-checking No doubt about it
2: yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's never ending and it's tough when you're you know other team members do fact check on top of their their other responsibilities but i'm the only mm-hmm. one doing it full-time and it's like oh god there's so much to do and then you get people tweeting you like why didn't the channel fact check this
0: because like, it's one of me like, what? <laughs> can you send that to me on linkedin i'll get to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah come back my linkedin yeah i'm gonna do a
2: plug please send in fact checks to us um sometimes things can can happen on on regional radio that i can't necessarily access up in dublin or I don't have a playback for, for certain things maybe certain local newspapers i try and monitor stuff as well but if you're particularly in the regions send me through stuff we have uh, a fact check email we also have a fact check twitter account you can be completely anonymous depending on, on what you're sending us so yeah
0: send them through where, where do they send them
2: uh i (laughs) read this out so uh we you can send it to me so i'm brianna b-r-i-a double n-a at the journal.ie um you can also dm them to us we have a fact check twitter account so just put in the journal fact check into the twitter search bar you'll pull us up
0: amazing Brilliant brilliant stuff brianna it's been great catching up with you again uh thanks so much for joining us and um yeah hopefully it's not a year or more again before we annoy you to come back on the
1: podcast Great. I can't wait. That, Try and get you and Aoife on the, at the same time, maybe the next time.
2: I don't know if you'd have enough time for that. Like
1: <laughs> Yeah, it could be carnage actually. I mean,
0: yeah, we're like, I mean, we're we're fast and loose with these things. I mean, you know it could no. be a two hour special. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, it'd have to be have to have to have a good a good amount of time. It's just us talking over the top of each other excitedly. Uh yeah.
0: Episode 300's coming up. It sounds like an ideal situation.
1: Absolutely. You know. Yeah. There
0: you go. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, Brianna. Until next time. Thank yeah, you very, so much. very much.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me,
0: the brilliant Brianna Parkins. There, joining us, and the joy that she did. We'll, we look. We won't do much of an outro, man, because we waffled for about six years in the intro. So, in just, the intro, uh, no worries. So thanks very getting, much, uh, Brianna.
1: Yeah. Other, to, other than to say thanks very much, Brianna. She's a brilliant guest. Always great to speak to her. Check her out on our Twitter and check out our fact check articles. And also previously her columns uh, every Saturday in the Irish Times, which are gold. Um, but yeah, that's it. We're, we're back anyway. Um, if you want to listen to us, you can go to WTSpod.com or you can search us WTSpod in any podcast provider. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, anywhere and everywhere you can get a podcast. He's at Danjo Murray on Twitter on Twitter. I'm at American Mania. Until next time, clear eyes, all hearts, cat lobes. Too sweet.